Hello and welcome to the 2020 F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Amanato, and this is Round 3, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton was so good in Hungary that strategy didn't play a factor for him, but behind him, the battle between Valtteri Bottas and, unexpectedly, Max Verstappen for second place came down to a Mercedes trap that Red Bull Racing refused to fall for. And in a wet race that was somehow mostly dry, Haas outwitted the field, at least temporarily, gambling a pit lane start and a penalty to score its first point of the year. To help make some sense of the action from Budapest, I'm joined by Channel 4 F1 commentator Ben Edwards. Ben, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Michael. Yeah, and doing all right, yeah. It was a real waxing and waning weekend in Hungary, wasn't it? I feel like we went through a full gamut of emotions of thinking that this was going to be a very competitive weekend, then Mercedes looking extremely dominant in practice, and then the race sort of delivered something in between, didn't it? I feel like every race... We're really learning a bit more about the competitive order. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about everyone except Mercedes in a moment, but your takeaway from Mercedes' performance this weekend, because it really looked quite foreboding. It is astonishing. And I was I watched back, you know, the onboards of the pole lap by Lewis in the dry. Uh, I mean, that car just looks remarkable. And I, and what's really hit me, and, and actually, you know, we had an interview with Toto Wolf on our Channel 4 show, um, and he made some other comments in the press this weekend. I think... The qualifying uh, power of that power unit of the you know the, the hybrid engine is definitely a step up this year, um, and I think it, I think it also carries over into the race, so it, it's quick anyway. But he was saying, you know, the fact that the Ferrari engine was so strong last year made their engine department really get that to get to work and really look at anything they could do to to try and create more power and they have definitely done that because when you look at the performance of you know of those guys and what they can do in qualifying uh, particularly because look at what Williams are doing as well yeah. you know Mercedes power helping them uh, racing point obviously is a very good car so there's a mixture going on there uh, that shows that the Mercedes power is just fantastic, I think. Um, and then the, the Mercedes car itself has tremendous downforce. And when you watch that lap of Lewis's, it, it's beautiful, but the car is so rock solid. Um, it's very impressive. Impressive is uh, on a weekend in which superlatives are probably in short supply, considering how many we've had to use. Impressive certainly suffices, I think. Uh, we had a bit of a weird Friday because we had this thread of rain throughout the weekend, really. And uh, it affected the weekend twice, obviously a little bit in the race, which we'll get to in a moment, but certainly free practice too, pretty much washed out. But it left some some question marks for us and, of course, for Red Bull Racing because they expected to come here and be among the front runners. Certainly there's a circuit that normally works quite well for Red Bull Racing. We've got a bit of a hint of, of their performance in slow speed corners in parts in Austria, and so this was expected to be a, a little bit of a better circuit for them. But I mean, this was perhaps one of their racing aside, of course, considering Max Verstappen got the podium. But in terms of the lead up to that race, one of their possibly most lost in recent memories. They broke curfew on Friday night. That car doesn't seem to be offering the promise we expected it to. No, I'm really surprised, um, particularly in Hungary, where Max was on pole last year and, and battled so well for the win. In fact, Lewis got him in the end. But um, it was a real surprise to me all weekend. And you could see it, uh, the consternation on Max's face when he was being interviewed on Friday after, as you say, those two sessions, only one dry session, and then the wet session in the afternoon. You could see it from Albon too. He was clearly uh, pretty confused and you know unhappy with the way the car was handling. 
Um, they did a lot of work, as you say, they broke the curfew. It still didn't really deliver in the dry on Saturday. They were clearly struggling with it. Um, we saw spin from uh, Max in practice as well. Um, it, it looks very edgy. It doesn't look great in, in that kind of trim. Interestingly, um, Albon and Verstappen actually both felt in the race the car was more drivable and, and they were happier with it in the dry uh, once it was dry. But um, yeah, the, I don't know quite where it's going wrong, where where the element is, you know, because if you think back to the Red Bull ring, Max qualified on the front row for both those races. Um, and yet there he was seventh on the grid in the dry in Hungary. So it was bizarre. It was certainly a, a strange weekend, a very up and down weekend for Red Bull Racing. We'll touch on the race in just a moment. But before we do, I do want to mention Ferrari again, only briefly, pretty much for the third race in a row. We can only talk about them so much because very much mired in, I guess, the midfield. The midfield is broken up in, in a couple of different ways compared to the last couple of years, but very much behind the leading pack, which is Mercedes, well, yeah. almost Mercedes on its own. They seem to have a more positive weekend this time around, though. The, the upgrades we didn't get to see very much of in Styria, in Austria too, we got a bit more of a hint of here. They were a little bit more amongst it here, but I suppose there must still be concerns that this being a fairly slow-speed circuit, and as we mentioned uh, the power unit is is not so strong on the Ferrari this season. This could be a little bit of a false dawn, I suppose, for Ferrari fans. Yeah, and to be honest, is it a false? Is it a dawn at all? I mean, you know, are <laughs> we getting excited start. about moving fifth and sixth? I mean, for goodness' sake, you know, they and being so far off the pace. It's not like they, it was a you know top six. We're all massively close together. No, the the gap between Mercedes and Ferrari, which is basically what we've enjoyed over this last couple of years mm. with Ferrari able to challenge. Uh, is non-existent. There is no challenge this year, as far as I can see. That the gap is just so big. Hungary, as you say, is a less power-related circuit, so they were always going to lose a bit less in terms of overall performance. But even so, I'm not that. I wasn't that sort of fired <laughs> up by it, to be honest, because um, they were still a long, long way off, and and it worries me, and it, it saddens me too, because Formula One needs Ferrari to be fighting up near the front. That's what it's all about. You know, I've, I've commentated through eras where Ferrari have not been strong, but it's, it's always a bit sad. And, mm. you, you, you know, you, you want them to be up there. You want Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel to be fighting with Lewis and Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen. And you just look at that and you think, well, they're not going to get many opportunities, are they? This race should have been very one-sided. In many respects, it was very one-sided, although it was more competitive as long as you weren't uh, involving Lewis Hamilton in the equation. Let's look at the race itself and let's get Lewis out of the way of the discussion, I suppose, because there's only so much to talk about him that isn't straightforward winning this race. It would have been a a full Grand Slam, if we want to call it uh, as such, which requires you to lead every lap. Tragically, he didn't lead one when he took his first pit stop. A real blight on on that weekend. Uh, I do want to touch on, though, in terms of his race, which was largely uneventful, really, leading from pole, the decision to pit at the very end to go for the fastest lap. I thought it was really interesting that he recalled championships he's lost by a point. One championship in particular, uh, of course, his debut championship, which he lost by a point. We have a point for fastest lap now. This was a weekend in which he had Valtteri Bottas's measure, certainly in the race, uh, because of Bottas's slow start, as we'll touch on in a moment. It feels like in three weeks, we've gone from seeing a Lewis Hamilton that we, we could almost be forgiven for thinking was out of sorts to one who is just so sharp. Is there a do you have any prospect after three races that anyone can take the fight to Lewis? Yeah, I think Valtteri can. Um, I think Lewis is driving beautifully well. And 
Um, these second two races, he's really got it together. And he's that fantastic pole position in Austria. Um, Bottas was kind of there in the wet most of the time. And then just Lewis delivered that, that perfect lap. And then in Hungary, again, Valtteri, you know, kept the pressure on. And again, Lewis just got that edge on the final lap in qualifying. But I, I think Bottas can keep it up. So I do think that it will be an internal rivalry, a bit like the you know, the, the, the Hamilton versus Rosberg. And of course, Rosberg did go on to win one of those years. There was some reliability issues that Hamilton had, but he's all too aware of that. You know, so things like going for that extra point. I understand that totally why he's so fired up about everything because he, you know, that the year that he lost to, to Nico Rosberg still hurts, uh, 2016. And, and, and it was, he definitely had some reliability issues. He also made some poor starts that year and, and just, just a little thing like that, suddenly not getting off the line properly. And of course that's what hit Bottas yesterday, but it, it, it can be such subtle little things sometimes that can determine the outcome of a championship. So, so He's very aware of that. I think he's he's totally on it again, as you say. Um, but I do think that Bottas seems to be in a good space, good mental space at the moment. The, the question is really how the next few races go, I think. Silverstone is always one that Lewis loves, of course, um, and it, it goes well for him. But if Bottas had a decent run, uh, you know, through the two Silverstone races and then perhaps into Spain, then you could really see this this mounting up as we go through whatever season we get out of this. It's a, a really interesting setup with these three races in a row that potentially you get on a bit of a run almost without getting uh, out of the car, really. Uh, we didn't have such a, a strong narrative over the course of three, these three weekends in that sense. It'll be interesting to see if one of the two gets on a, a three-race run, let's say, in the next block and how that might affect things. Mm. In this race, it felt like already... Bottas needed to, to hit back a little bit, if we can say hit back after only three races, and, and establish himself as an equal contender. Like you say, in qualifying, it was very close, only about a tenth between them uh, on a day that Mercedes was pretty much peerless. But Bottas, by his own words, had a horrible race, all thanks to his start, which wasn't a jump start, uh, as per the exact letter of the law. But this set up a, a kind of complicated race for him because he really needed to, to do some passing on the track and, and through the pit lane. I guess what was promising, though, as much as his car was, of course, very much the class of the field, was that he was able to... He never really ran into any roadblocks in, this, in the way that we've seen Valtteri sometimes do when he has to execute, execute a lot of passing or or through strategy. Uh, very close to, to getting second place from, from Max Verstappen, but... Uh, the Mercedes gamble, the same gamble they used last year to race with Max, albeit with Hamilton in that sense, didn't really pay off this time. No, it didn't. But it was worth a gamble, I think. It, you know, they, they'd got him to within a second of Max early on, but he'd worked the tyres very hard uh, in that sort of period because he was still fighting his way through the order. Um, I think it was a smart move by Mercedes. I don't think he would have passed Max um, without going for that move. It worked for Hamilton last year to get past Verstappen. It didn't quite work for Bottas this time. But I, I, I don't sort of knock Mercedes for having a go at it. They didn't lose anything by doing it. And they could possibly have gained that second place. And, and as you say, I think Bottas drove well. You know, he it was tough. It must have been hard coming around at the end of that first mm. lap and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, there's a lot of cars. We are on one of the toughest tracks on which to overtake. And Lewis is miles ahead, but he, he gets his head down and he it would be easy to sort of throw it away with too ambitious a move or too early on. He doesn't do that. He he, he just focuses on what he needs to do next and next and works hard at it. And I, I do think that he's he's in a good zone. He's in a good bubble at the moment. Um, he, the last two races, OK, it hasn't quite gone his way. And that start 
you know that was that was a tough one for him he he was distracted he he could barely see the the start lights because of the, the, the where the halo sits he 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 said he was distracted by lights some lights on the steering wheel going out so he was kind of it's weird isn't it but they're in this sense of lights out and off you go and his lights were the little lights went out on the steering wheel and off he went <laughs> um so and then realized obviously that he shouldn't have done and thankfully didn't um, move beyond the the marker effectively but it, he lost out a big time a big time through that start uh, and it was still a good recovery the two major rivals for him in this race one of them was Lance Stroll he undercutted him pretty confidently the the Mercedes of 2020 let's say if we want to be unkind has the pace of the Mercedes of 2019 certainly uh, managed that undercut fine couldn't quite do the second one as we said those stops on lap 33 and lap 49 before we do touch on the racing point car because every weekend really they are making headlines of one kind of another of course we have to talk about Max Verstappen because while Bottas got a, a pretty average start off the line you could say Verstappen had a worse one albeit it was before the lights even began to switch on a really rare mistake obviously not under pressure because this is the reconnaissance lap we're talking about almost throwing away his weekend there and then in very slippery conditions of course it must be said i mean i know that the car was obviously pretty uncomfortable for him for all weekend but nonetheless it must have been quite a a major surprise to be i suppose commentating the lead up to this race and then all of a sudden to see verstappen in the wall but then to be able to take the race nonetheless i'd be able to start that race an incredible effort from red bull racing yeah i mean it was it was a real adventure going through <laughs> that whole thing and and you could see i mean i sort of understand it to a certain extent that you know when you went out on the reconnaissance lap what you're doing then is is getting an understanding of where the grip is, where where are the slippery bits, where are the dry bits, what's the car feeling like? And and it was quite an aggressive outlap, and, and he went off. He'd already been off wide a couple of times before he got to that corner. And I was watching his lap and thinking, he's really, you know, I, I understand what you're doing here. You're really chucking the car around. You want to get a feel for what it's like on this surface right now before this race starts. But he just got he got too carried away with it. He got He was doing a bit too belligerently, I would say. And then when he did lock up, and went off, uh, um, you know, and the runoff area was so slippery, he had no no chance. I mean, he's usually very good at collecting a car uh, and quite often preventing it from hitting the barrier, but he was just going that much too quick. And so it, it was a shock, uh, but the, what, the, what, what the crew did on the, on the grid was fantastic, absolutely brilliant. You know, they, were, they have a special um, little x-ray machine that they had to use on the wishbones to check for any cracks in the wishbones because they're carbon made of carbon fiber of course they're not steel so in the old days it would have been steel and it would have bent the wishbones as well but when they're made of carbon fiber as they are they're they're either okay or they're cracked or they're broken and they have this little x-ray machine that has to check to see whether they're cracked obviously so they did all that they replaced the push rod and the uh, the steering arm uh, and they got it done with seconds and and that was just such a brilliant effort that was that was classic uh, race mechanics doing their their job and in in a way that they would have had a huge buzz out of that but brilliantly done and and then max repaid them i think that was what's so lovely is that he came up with such a great start a solid race and to get a second place and split the mercedes that was such a great result it was a bit of a fairy story really it's sometimes frustrating on occasions like this isn't it because while the Red Bull racing car is, is so rarely the dominant car in this era of Formula 1, of course, once upon a time it very much was, the team is otherwise so sharp, whether it's the drivers like Max, for example, who managed to deliver second place today. The strategists are, are regularly putting cars that they don't really have too much business competing with under pressure. I mean, this race, for example, was 
perfectly executed even from the very first pit stop this race started on intermediate tires of course uh waiting an extra lap before pitting enabled him to to jump the chaos of of the third lap stops where everyone seemed to be switching onto slick tires and then just let him build into this rhythm in the middle of the race and then of course as we've mentioned not taking that undercut bait from Bottas late in the race was everything that needed to be done to to secure that second place and you just can't help but feel it's a shame that this team isn't in contention more often. Oh, I agree. I, they are such a good racing team in terms of their mentality, the way they go about it. Uh, I just wish that the car was showing a bit more competitiveness. And I think that's that's the sadness that they are a team that can turn these things around. And they have done in the past. Whether, I mean, you look at the Mercedes advantages uh, and you've got to think that's going to be very tough. Um I would certainly expect them to be the next best team. And, and that what was surprising was that he only qualified seventh, you know, beaten by the racing points um, on the grid and the Ferraris as well. That that really was, that was a bit of a shocker. And I, I don't think that that will necessarily be something we see normally. I think that was a bit of a surprise. They must have gone up, come up with something for Hungary that presumably just didn't gel for whatever reason. Um, and it's more likely they're going to be battling they may well be battling those racing points pretty hard at some stage. And it may be that the racing point will have the advantage at certain circuits and the Red Bull at others. But Max has that special quality, doesn't he? Like Lewis, uh, like Fernando Alonso, they they can drag a performance out of a car that is beyond what it's really sort of set at, the level it's set at. They can get something special out of it. Um, and, and it's always a joy to watch a driver doing that. I do want to make a, a brief mention here of Alex Albon as well, who, albeit we're only three races in again to the season, he could have won the first one, but obviously that went wrong in a clash with Hamilton. Had a very ordinary weekend last weekend, and then up till the race was also looking quite off the pace this weekend, and all of a sudden it felt like he'd been under pressure for a whole year. The pressure weighed so heavily on drivers at, at Red Bull Racing or the second driver at Red Bull Racing, maybe we should say. But a pretty strong recovery from him. He had a good first lap, came out cleanly from that first chaotic series of pit stops on lap three, and then just managed to rebuild from there, jump past the Mercedes. He was undercut by Sebastian Vettel briefly, but by having fresher tyres towards the end, man, he could get back past him without too much trouble uh, a couple of laps from the finish probably really needed a result like that i think yeah i i i think he did well and i i do rate albon i have to say i know he's not had the chance to to show always what he can do although as you say in austria there was a chance to win that race um with a late tire change and then the clash with hamilton i i do rate him i think you're right it, it's quite hard being the number two guy uh, at red bull with max verstappen as your teammate when he's you know everything is centered around max you know the setup of the car the way the team operate but i i do think that alex has actually got a, a really good mental approach i think gasly probably took it harder uh, personally than Albon I think Albon's dealing with it quite well and we'll see as we go through the rest of the season but you need it to sort of wash over and then just get on and do the job and I felt he did that yesterday um, you know forget all the stuff that's going on in the press and chatter that, that's going on about oh he's not delivering and just just get out there and, and do your business and I, I, and I think he does do that Alex I think he deals with the psychological pressure of it slightly better than Pierre Gasly. Even though Gasly's actually a very talented driver, I think, I think he suffered more from the whole environment of being uh, Max Verstappen's teammate. Uh, we'd be remiss of us not to mention a racing point here because while the top three, Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas, all had 
very clear reasons for being able to finish in those positions and Albon recovered to fifth. In fourth was Lance Stroll. Weird that in some senses his race was kind of anonymous given the attraction that team is bringing in for its real competitiveness so far this season. Had a great qualifying, locked out the second row of the grid. Couldn't quite convert in the race because of that early race chaos. But a really strong pace in general from Stroll to be to be able to nail down fourth place had to stop twice after switching onto the slicks uh, to get there, uh, but there wasn't much to he, he could do to defend against Bottas, uh, and was a, ahead of no, uh, enough of Albon to be able to hold that position, which in, in itself is is fairly interesting. I guess we saw Perez and uh, Perez and Albon in the last race sort of uh, on similar pace. Perez would have got that that spot, I suppose, had he not crashed. But it's another. Well executed weekend overall for for Racing Point, and I, I think it's going to be interesting this season to sort of see how that team grows into being potentially kind of a front runner, having to compete among the front running battles, and to see if they can finally secure that victory, which feels like it could be on the cards this year. Yeah, no, I think I think it's possible, and actually, it's interesting you say that because I've spoken to someone at the team and. And they uh, they they were pretty upfront with me in saying we have to change our mindset now because in the past it's always been about scoring points you know midfield being the top of the midfield playing it sometimes a bit safe to make sure you got some points because as you go through the season uh, you just got to build that quantity now they're in a different position yeah. they are actually challenging for certainly for podiums and potentially as you say for race wins it takes a slightly different mindset sometimes to to say okay you know do we take a gamble here do we take a risk do we what do we do um and i and i think that that mindset change is going on and i think that they're getting on top of it um, obviously, it takes a few races. Running a car that is now qualifying on the second row of the grid is, is just such a different story. <laughs> you know, they've had podiums in the past, but usually those have been from uh, performances of looking after tyres, of picking up places through other people's problems. Now they are genuinely up the front and battling uh, for podiums and potentially a victory. So it, it is a mindset change. I think that they'll, they'll cope with that well and they'll enjoy the challenge. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they get on. Are we going to see, uh, are we going to see a Mexican driver win a Grand Prix since uh, first time since the early 70s? You know, it, it, there really are some possibilities there. There are. It's going to be really interesting. Potentially one of the really good news stories of this season, of course, pending the appeal, which we expect to hear uh, about in the next week or so. Just a couple of other points before we wrap this up. Uh, one, I think, and surprising considering the way the race started, that the, the, the concept of weather didn't play a, a larger part in this race. The rain largely avoided the circuit, but the spectre of it still had its effects and perhaps on, on no driver more painfully than Charles Leclerc in some respects, because one of the few drivers to switch from intermediates to, to soft tyres. Ferrari, I guess in a sense, gambling on that faster but much more delicate tyre that degraded quite rapidly given the track was so green on the idea of rain arriving earlier than it did. In the end, it meant it, it, he couldn't finish in the points. I mean, you do some driving yourself, Ben. Obviously, you also do a lot of commentating uh, on Formula 1, of course. It's it's such a, a line ball thing, isn't it, in these situations where rain is in the air and you know that it's close. To try and judge the correct way forward, a lot of drivers pretty much got it right. And yes, we'll talk about Haas to wrap this up in just a second. But... It's such a, I suppose, a high-stress situation to try and play this correctly. Yeah, and, and it was a gamble. They admitted it afterwards, putting those mediums on, and it it, it was the wrong thing to do. But interestingly, um, 
I was mentioning it in commentary in that it, with these conditions where you've got potential rain coming along, it's very tempting to plan ahead thinking, right, the rain is coming, we'll do this. Actually, what you need to do, and I've, I've heard this from team bosses and especially successful ones, is react to the here and now, do what's right for now, and then deal with it. And actually, to be fair to Ferrari, they did that with Vettel because they brought him in and, and put him onto slicks at a time where a lot of people were still waiting, thinking it was going to rain and thinking, well, we can't come in and put slicks on now because we might have to stop again in a couple of laps time for, for wets. And actually, Ferrari, you know, they played that one well with Vettel, um, putting him onto a set of hards quite early on. And it worked effectively. OK, he he made a couple of little errors later and, and, and lost place to Albon. But but I think that was a good call. So strategically wise, I think, you know, they took a bit of a gamble. There's no doubt on the medium compound. Talking to uh, some of the teams before the race, they were saying that medium compound had been hard. Uh, sorry, the soft compound. The soft compound had been hard work on the Friday and they knew that it wasn't ideal in, in race conditions. So it was a gamble by Ferrari. It didn't pay off. But fair play, you know, that, that you've got to go for it sometimes. And probably speaks to where Ferrari's at, that splitting the strategy and hoping one of them works yeah. is what they've got going for Absolutely. them at this point in time. Yeah. And finally, to wrap this up, uh, Haas, they've scored some points this weekend. They've had a bit of a difficult start to this season after a, a fairly difficult 2019. And they did it by making their first pit stop before the race even began. It was on the formation lap. It actually cost them a penalty because of the communication on that formation lap. But Kevin Magnussen still managed to score a point. This is sort of, I guess, the limit of, of reactiveness, isn't it? They, they couldn't make the decision on, on the reconnaissance lap, but the formation lap before the race even started decided it was dry enough. And I suppose that speaks, or A, to that, that reactiveness, but also teams being able to trust their drivers and vice versa, I suppose, to make a call like this, especially when Magnussen was the only car when the, the tyre blankets came off of the grid that seemed to want to start on full wet tyres, which, as we know now, in retrospect, would have been a, a disaster. Yeah, that was a funny one, that they put him on full wet. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> so it's probably why he was even more keen to try the slicks. Um, actually, I'll tell you what, that, that rule, I think, is utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I know that they've got this rule that you're not allowed to give drivers assistance over the radio on the uh, formation lap but i i think that's a ridiculous rule because the whole thing of bringing someone in at the during a formation lap to put on different tires is part of race strategy to me Mm -hmm. and it and i i'm really disappointed okay it made one place difference in the end but i was really disappointed by that ruling um the stewards have no doubt argue it's in the rules and they have to stick to it but i I think that's a ridiculous rule um it should be got rid of you should be allowed to say to the drivers come into the pits we're going to put you on slicks or whatever you know that's that's a joke um and but to be fair to uh to the guys i watched uh kevin magnuson's afterwards i watched some of his onboard coverage of of those outlaps initially on the slicks it was exciting to watch he was <laughs> it was really challenging the first couple of laps on the slicks were really challenging and the car snapping and biting and he's doing a really good job and well played to him and grosjean for keeping the car on the road for two or three laps then after three laps the track is beginning, well, two laps, really, because then other people start coming in as well. That's when it starts to work and the track is drying. But but it was good stuff on the opening lap and a brave call by Haas. Uh, I admired it. 
and I'm disappointed that they got any penalty for it, I have to say. So in the end, it was only one point instead of two for Kevin Magnussen. Romain Grosjean couldn't quite keep himself in the points, but it certainly made for an exciting start to the race and, and a good race for Haas. I think they've been due on for a little while. It was a good end to the, the trio of races we've started this season with. We know it's probably going to be a Mercedes championship, and now we wait to see which driver can take the upper hand, and we look forward to Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time. Ben, it was a pleasure to talk about this race with you. Thank you very much. It's good fun. That was Ben Edwards, commentator for Channel 4 in the UK. The strategy report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Play it for free on iOS and Android devices. If you want more strategy report, you can get every episode by subscribing on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on your favourite podcast app. Plus, we're on all of your social channels. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a rating and a review to help other F1 fans find the show. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast, and if you're looking for an alternative take on the Hungarian Grand Prix, have a search for Box of Neutrals in your podcast app of choice to hear us discuss why the Hungaro Ring is no original recipe chicken. My name's Michael Laminato. You can look me up at Michael Laminato on Twitter. Take the weekend off, and I'll catch you next week for a preview of the British and Spanish Grand Prix.